First Peter chapter 4, verse number 1. For as much then as Christ hath suffered for us in the flesh, arm yourselves likewise with the same mind. For he that hath suffered in the flesh hath ceased from sin, that he no longer should live the rest of his time in the flesh to the lusts of men, but to the will of God. For the time past of our life may suffice us to have wrought the will of the Gentiles. When we walked in lasciviousness, lusts, excess of wine, revelings, banquetings, and abominable idolatries, wherein they think it strange that ye run not with them to the same excess of riot, as you used to, speaking evil of you, who shall give an account to him that is ready to judge the quick and the dead. For this cause was the gospel preached unto them, to them that are dead, that they might be judged according to men in the flesh, but live according to God in the Spirit. We ask Heavenly Father your blessing on this consideration this morning. Even though we're taking only a small portion of this scripture, we ask that you would be fully in it and it would be in full accord with your word. Speak to hearts, every heart here, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. I don't know this to be true, but I believe that you heard this story recently while I was gone. But I am going to repeat it because it uh, jump-starts our message. Lewis Craig was a Baptist pastor in Virginia during the days when it was illegal to be a Baptist pastor in Virginia. In the course of preaching one day, about uh, in the, it was in the year 1676, he was arrested. He was put in jail. And eventually he was brought to trial. On the jury was a fellow named Jack Waller, a man who hated God, hated religion generally, and certainly hated those Baptists who kept telling people that they needed to be saved. Later, Waller testified that while he was in the jury box, Elder Craig got up and was given the opportunity to speak. And he did so with the utmost meekness and respect. The preacher said, I thank you, gentlemen of the grand jury, for the honor you have done me. While I was wicked and injurious, you took no notice of me. But since I have altered my course of life and endeavored to reform my neighbors through the preaching of the gospel, you concern yourselves much about me. I forgive my persecuting enemies and shall take joyfully the spoiling of my goods. Well, those words, along with other things that the Lord brought into Waller's life, actually brought him to the foot of the cross. He was born again. He was given a new heart and he went on to serve the Lord, actually ending up in jail from time to time with Lewis Craig as they endeavored to serve the Lord. In our text, Peter refers to all the Lewis Craigs of this world 
who in their early years, in the early parts of their lives, walked in lasciviousness, fleshly lusts, abominable idolatries. And in many cases, if not most cases, those people were ignored. Just so long as they didn't take their wickedness to extremes, we're all relatively wicked, so these were left to their own devices and uh, everything was fine. But then, once the Lord makes righteous creatures out of these Lewis Craigs, the world does take notice. And because they don't understand, they begin to dislike and sometimes even hate those Christians. Peter says, wherein they think it's strange that you run not with them anymore to the same excess of riot. They even begin to speak evil of you. As Christians, you are evil in this society. They speak evil of you because of your manner of life, which brings other folk under conviction for their sin. But, Peter says, those who speak evil of righteousness, those who speak evil of God, those who speak evil of God's people will soon have to give an account of themselves before God. For this cause the gospel was preached also unto them, that they might be made ready for that judgment. The gospel is preached that at the appointed hour, they may be judged according to men in the flesh, but through the grace that they have received, they're saved. They are new creatures. And the judgment is entirely different to those that have believed on Christ. My point this morning is that Christ is ready to judge. He's ready to judge you, me, each of us. The question is, are you ready to be judged? Verse 5 says that the one to whom the account must be given is ready. You might say that the courtroom is filling up. James chapter 5, verse number 9 says, Behold, the judge standeth at the door. He's ready to open that door and come in and sit on the bench in judgment against us. The judge will, or excuse me, God will judge both the quick and the dead. By the way, three times the Bible speaks very poetically of God's judgment of the quick and the dead. Nice language. Even though we could apply those words in a spiritual sense, they are pointing to something physical. Some people will be alive at the time when the judgment begins, but a vast number, greater number, will have already lived and died. But it doesn't matter whether dead or alive, all the children of Adam will have to stand before God. The word quick is related to those scriptures which speak about God's quickening of dead people. In other words, restoring their lives. Quick people are alive. One of the meanings of the word. As I say, we could make this application toward those who have been born again, made spiritually alive. But Peter is talking about physical death and physical life. 
The Bible says a great deal about Jehovah's judgment of his creatures. That judgment will be broken down into several divisions. They will take place at different times. But without a doubt, every child of Adam, every member of the human race, every person in this room is going to stand before God to be judged. Are you ready for that judgment? God is ready for the day of judgment. The Old Testament is filled with declarations that God is coming and he will judge. Over and over and over again. Psalm 96. Let the heavens rejoice. Let the earth be glad before the Lord. For he cometh. He cometh to judge the earth. He shall judge the world with righteousness. And the people with truth. He's coming. Psalm 50. The mighty God. Even the Lord hath spoken. And called the earth from the rising of the sun. Unto the going down thereof. Out of Zion, the perfection of beauty, hath God shined. Our God shall come, he shall not keep silence. A fire shall devour before him, and it shall be very tempestuous round about him. He shall call to the heavens from above and to the earth, that he may judge his people. Often those statements that we find in the Psalms, for example, often those statements are an expression of joy. He is coming. Even though the judgment being referred to is upon the wicked. Psalm 9. I will praise thee, O Lord, with my whole heart. I will show forth all thy marvelous works. I will be glad and rejoice in thee. I will sing praise unto thy name, O thou most high. When my enemies are turned back, They shall fall and perish at thy presence. For thou hast maintained my right and my cause. Thou sattest in the throne judging right. Thou hast rebuked the heathen. Thou hast destroyed the wicked. Thou hast put their name out forever and ever. O thou enemy, destructions are coming to a perpetual end. Thou art destroyed. Thou hast destroyed cities, their memorial perished with them, but the Lord shall endure forever. He hath prepared his throne for judgment, and he shall judge the world in righteousness. He shall minister judgment to the people in uprightness. The Lord also shall be a refuge unto the oppressed, a refuge in times of trouble. And they that know thy name will put their trust in thee, for thou art... For thou, Lord, hast not forsaken them that seek thee. God, the Almighty God, Elohim, is ready for your coming judgment. He is ready to judge. But, do you know his name? Do you fear before him? Do you love him? Do you serve him? If these things are a part of your life, you're ready for that judgment. That's what the psalmist says. Praise the Lord that despite the coming judgment, he will not forsake those who seek him in repentance and faith. We might also say the day of judgment is ready. Not only is God ready, the day is ready. There is a famous paragraph... In Ecclesiastes chapter 3, that you might know, 
Some of you can probably sing it. To everything there is a season and a time to every purpose under heaven. A time to be born, a time to die, a time to plant, a time to pluck up that which is planted, a time to kill, a time to heal, a time to break down, and a time to build up. In verse 17 of that chapter, Solomon says, I have said in my heart, God shall judge the righteous and the wicked, for there is a time there for every purpose and for every work. There's a time set for this judgment on the calendar of God, which we will never see. There's a specific and set time for each aspect of the coming judgment. The judgment of the saints is on God's calendar. The day of the judgment seat of Christ. The Bema judgment. There will be a judgment of the nations, which will involve primarily their treatment of Israel. And the judgment of all unbelievers at the great white throne of God is on God's calendar. There is a set time for it. You have an appointment to face the omniscient God. It is appointed unto man once to die, appointed unto man once to die, after this, the judgment. Yes, In his second epistle, Peter returns to Noah and the flood, which he's just dealt with here in, chapter, in 1 Peter. He points out that, like today, there were people in Peter's day and Noah's day who laughed at the thought of the flood, that God would actually judge people that he created. But before Noah was commissioned to start building that uh, colossal uh, uh, cruise liner, God knew what day the rains would come. He knew and had appointed a day when the fountains of the earth would be broken up and the water under the crust of the earth would be pouring out on top of the crust of the earth. And when the day appointed arrived, so did the, the flood. It came as it was determined by God. Whereby the world that then was, being overflowed with water, perished. Then Peter went on. But the heavens and the earth, which are now, by the same word, are kept in store, reserved unto fire against the day of judgment and perdition of a God, ungodly men. Each aspect of God's future judgments are on schedule and their appointments will be kept. No doubt about it. The day of judgment is ready. Revelation 11 describes what shall take place at the blowing of the seventh trumpet, which is toward the end of the uh, tribulation. It says, and the four and twenty elders which sat before God on their seats or thrones fell upon their faces and worshipped God, saying, We give thee thanks, O Lord God Almighty, which art and wast and art to come, because thou hast taken to thee thy great power and reigned. And the nations were angry, and thy wrath is come, and the time of the dead is come that they should be judged. There is a set time. 
The God who controls all things. The God who sets up kings and removes kings. The God who uh, determined when Christ would come into this world and when he would die has set a time for the judgment of the quick and the dead. The day is ready. Are you ready for that day? I said a few minutes, minutes ago that God would judge his creation. I need to be a little more specific. God the Son, the Lord Jesus Christ, will be our judge. He is ready to take the bench. This is really an important point. God the Father has deferred all judgment unto God the Son. And the Lord Jesus tells us so. I know we read those scriptures just a few minutes ago. But there was a day when Jesus came under attack for healing a man and doing it on the Sabbath. The miracle was performed on a day in which they, or when the critical Jews of their day, the Pharisees, uh, said no work could be performed. They became incensed. John 5.16 Therefore the Jews persecuted Jesus and sought to slay him because he had done these things on the Sabbath day. When Jesus replied, My father worketh hitherto, and I work, the Jews sought the more to kill him because not only had he broken the Sabbath, but he also said that God was his father, making himself equal with God. And then shortly after that, Christ said, as the Father raiseth up the dead and quickeneth them, renews their lives, even so the Son quickeneth whom he will. For the Father judgeth no man, but hath committed all judgment unto the Son, that all men should honor the Son, even as they honor the Father. He that honoreth not the Son, honoreth not the Father, which hath sent and authorized him. Why is it so important that Jesus be the judge of the quick and the dead? It's because it was he who went to the cross to provide deliverance from that judgment. Yes. Christ is the Savior. The one that Peter was preaching and Paul was preaching and so many others have been preaching down through the years. Christ hath also one suffered for sin the just for the unjust, that he might bring us in peace to God. Paul, in writing to a group of saints, asked, Who is he that condemneth? Who can condemn us? Who can condemn you? Who is the judge? It is Christ. It is Christ that died. Uh, yea, rather, that is risen again, who is even at the right hand of God, who also maketh intercession for us. To reject or neglect Christ the Savior guarantees our condemnation by God the Son, Christ. In Acts 17, Paul was standing on the summit of the famous Mars Hill in Athens, Greece. Some of its citizens had asked him to explain these strange doctrines that he had been proclaiming. Paul took advantage of the opportunity 
to share with them some of the rudimentary elements of the gospel. He began by saying, you are idolaters. They wouldn't have a problem with that. They knew they were idolaters. You're a bunch of idolaters. And thus, you are sinners in the sight of God who has condemned idolatry. He could have talked about a hundred other sins, all sorts of things. Adultery, theft, murder, all the way down to intellectual pride and arrogance and whatnot. When he saw that at that point, things were not going to continue much longer, he wrapped things up by saying, in the times of your ignorance, God winked at, but now commandeth all men everywhere, you included, to repent, because God has appointed a day in the which he will judge the world in righteousness by that man who he hath ordained, whereof he hath assured unto all men that he hath raised him from the dead. Several things in that sermon, brief as it was. You may think that God is overlooking your sins, winking at them. That's just temporary. Just temporary. Amen. But today is the day, the opportunity for you to consider the fact that you're an idolater or a sinner in some other way. And you must repent of those sins because God has set a day, Paul says. He has appointed a day of judgment. And the judge of that day is the one who he raised from the dead, the Lord Jesus Christ. The judge of that day is Christ, who was crucified, who was buried, and who was quickened on the third day. He is nearer to the door and nearer to the judge's bench than he has ever been before. That judgment could begin today, in a sense. The first of those judgments is very near. The Son of God is ready. The day is ready. God the Father is ready. Are you ready for that judgment? Peter, the man who wrote this letter that we are studying, the one who said Christ is ready to judge the quick and the dead, earlier had been sent by the Holy Spirit to give the gospel to a Roman centurion, a fellow named Cornelius. In talking to Cornelius, Peter refers to several things which he had personally witnessed in Jesus' life. The positive life that Christ had lived. The miracles which he had performed. These were brought up before Cornelius. But, he said, that life of Christ ended with the crucifixion, whom they slew and hanged on a tree. And yet, he told Cornelius, him God raised up the third day, and showed him openly unto a great number of witnesses. Peter said, to him, to Christ, give all the prophets witness that through his name, whosoever believeth in him shall have the remission of his sins, the removal of his sins. Those who, in humble repentance, turn to Christ, trusting him for this remission of sins, 
shall be forgiven. Yes. They shall not face the judgment of the Lord as condemned souls already. But then in the same breath, Peter declared, God commanded us to preach unto the people and to testify that it is he which was ordained of God to be the judge of the quick and the dead. My job, Peter says, is to tell you Christ is the judge of the quick and the dead. Commissioned to preach the gospel of salvation. Way back in the Old Testament, in prophecy, Christ said, I will judge you, everyone according to his ways, said the Lord God. Repent, turn yourselves from all your transgressions, so iniquity shall not be your ruin. Ezekiel 18, verse number 30. Your sins will be your ruin at the judgment of God if you do not repent and trust Christ. Are you ready for that judgment? You may be thinking that I'm really not as bad as some other people. I'm not a terrible sinner. And in comparison to other folk, that may be true. This judge, however, does not grade on a curve. He doesn't take the average of everybody and say, this is our standard. His judgment is based upon his own perfect standard. So that every idle word that you speak and have spoken will be judged. And every slight lie, the white ones and the black ones and the pink ones, doesn't matter. They're all going to be judged. Everything. The Lord is aware of your smallest transgressions of His law. And He will judge you for each and every one of those small sins. Small in your estimation. Luke 16.2 tells us that we will be judged for our stewardship. How we handled God's blessings. If for example... You are rich? I'm sure you are. But you're not thankful for God or thankful to God for those riches. You will be judged for your your selfishness and your pride. If you have been blessed with good health, but you attribute it to uh, your genes and your choice of a good diet... And your daily exercise, that's why I'm in good health, and you're not recognizing the blessing of God in it, you will be judged for your unthankfulness. The book of Ecclesiastes concludes with the words, For God shall bring every work into judgment, with every secret thing, whether it be good or whether it be evil. Christ, the righteous judge, is familiar with everything you have ever done. Every thought of your heart, he is aware of these things. If you and those sins are not buried under the blood of Christ, you will pay that price, the price of those sins, eternal condemnation. But more importantly, if you've been given the gospel, 
If Christ's sacrifice on the cross has been explained to you and you have rejected it, that too will be brought up at your judgment. If you've had the opportunity to sit comfortably in one of the Lord's churches, but the message of Christ preached by that church has been neglected, that neglect will be a part of your damnation. As Paul was watching the end of his life getting nearer and nearer, he wrote to Timothy, who he considered his son in the ministry, and he said, I charge thee therefore before God and the Lord Jesus Christ, who shall judge the quick and the dead at his appearing and his coming. Timothy, preach the word. Be instant in season, out of season. Reprove, rebuke, and exhort with long-suffering and doctrine. For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but after their own loss shall they heap to themselves teachers having itching ears, and they shall turn away their ears from the truth and be turned unto fables. One of those fables, accepted by non-believers, is included in Paul's exhortation. The Lord Jesus shall come to judge the quick and the dead at his appearing and his kingdom. One of the modern day fables accepted by so many is that we are not accountable for our lives and for our sins. It is a fable. We are accountable. Whether the government ever catches up with us, whether the police ever find us, whether our parents ever know, God knows we are accountable. It began in the book of Genesis, chapter 6. And we see that accountability and that judgment going all the way to Revelation 22. Are you ready to be judged? You are not ready if you snicker at the idea of God's judgment. You are not ready if you claim that your personal righteousness is good enough for God. It's not. You are not ready if you do not love, serve, trust, and worship the Lord Jesus Christ, the Son of God. Christ is ready to judge you. Are you ready to be judged? I would be delighted to explain to you the blessings contained in the gospel. You need to repent before God. You need to put your faith in the finished work of Christ on the cross. Please stand.